I have sung that song in the valleys and on the mountains. Isn't it incredible that a song can carry such testimony with it to where God has brought you, uh, what he's brought you through, the heights he's brought you to, the depths he's brought you out of. Um, Thank you. Thank you, band. Thank you, everybody, for singing out to our good God. Um, Before I get started with my sermon, uh, I want to share one thing with you. Uh, We have at our campus, actually all of Harbor Church campuses, a thing called the Campus Care Team. And this is a team that helps uh, with whatever needs in our community may come up. So we help with the celebrations. Uh, We might help with the losses. Um, And this team has people on it, too, that can help uh, when there's financial requests from people that might be having a a tough time financially. It's it's the campus care team. And so we have four people on my team um, made up of two elders and two deacons, uh, pastoral elders, pastoral deacons. And they're really my team that helps to think of ways that we can respond or be proactive to help uh, you, to help our community in care. So hence the campus care team. Uh, We're in need of two more people on that team. Uh, Right now we have four, and um, we're in need of two more so that we can best serve our community, um, but also to make sure that the the first four that I recruited uh, for that team, uh, because we were a, a church plant, um, I was able to, to just select them myself. But now that we're established uh, and growing, um, you get to input into that. So we need, we need you to come forward with some names. So this week in our weekly email, you know, I keep pointing to that, um, there will be a link to nominate someone. If you want to think of someone, it could be yourself or somebody else that uh, you think might consider being a part of this team that exists to help our community uh, in the highs and the lows. Uh, for the next couple weeks, we're going to have that opportunity open to you and would certainly love uh, your suggestions. Just because you nominate somebody, it doesn't mean they are automatically have to commit to it or there's conversations that will happen, but want to pull you in to that as we're continuing to grow as a community that your voice um, matters and that we, it matters that we lead together. So that is happening over the next couple of weeks and it would be very helpful to me if you would take a look at the email uh, where the link will be in order to help grow that team so that we can keep it strong. So let me pray and then I will begin the talk today. Uh, Lord, thank you again for the breath. I just love that song that it brings us back to that core thing that you gave us in In the beginning, you breathed your life into us. And every day since, every breath that we've ever had is a gift that we don't even have to think about. Our body just does it while we sleep even. We have the gift of life today. We're alive. Life might be tough right now, but we're alive. And because we're alive, we know that you're with us and you have good plans for the future. So I pray uh, that as I give the talk here today, again, as I always do, that you would empower what I say. Uh, and speak however you want to, whether it's something that I say or something that I don't, that you would speak to my friends uh, here in person or online or later that might listen to it, that this would be a good news to them. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you a story. Uh, one day, a special teacher and his disciples at a monastery began their evening meditation, and the cat that was on the monastery... 
uh, because cats are pesky and they're the worst animals on the planet. Oh, see, I know some reactions there, but uh, they made such a distraction was such a distraction to them during their evening prayer that the teacher, the spiritual teacher of this group, ordered that the cat be tied up during the evening prayer. I will with. Hold my sarcastic comments about that, but uh, that's that's what they did. And and years later, so every, actually every day they would tie that cat up during the evening prayer, so that it wouldn't be a distraction uh, during their practice of, of meditation. And years later, when the teacher died, the spiritual teacher, um, the cat continued to be tied up during every evening meditation. And eventually, when that cat died. They got another cat, but they kept doing that same thing. They kept tying the cat up at night during every evening meditation. And centuries later, the descendants of this spiritual teacher wrote about the religious significance of this ritual cat. <laughs> of how tying up this cat was a key element to the meditation practice that they had. Why do we do what we do? When we read through the scriptures, we spend time considering what it means and trying to understand it, or how uh, often are we changing our behaviors because of what it says? How much are we letting our new realizations change how we act? Or how do we go through our faith journey just acting without considering why. Today, we're going to take a short break from our Genesis series. If you're new, we've been uh, traveling through the very first uh, collection of uh, words in the Bible, a very first book called Genesis. And we're going to take a pause. It's a natural pause in the story. And we're going to take a look at uh, a practical look at how we can see what we've been talking about put into practice. So we, we're calling these in-practice weeks when we get to a break like this in Genesis, and we'll see a couple of them as we continue out. So I want to get super practical today with you. Um, I think last week was the week I said it was going to be super technical. This time, it's going to be hopefully simple to understand. We'll be looking at two different passages uh, from the book of Luke, so that's in the New Testament, the New uh, Testament where uh, words written about Jesus. And I want to take a look simply at the relational rhythms that Jesus had in his life in these two sections. Because we've been, what we've been seeing in the first uh, 12 chapters or 11 chapters of Genesis is a God who wants to be relationally close. That even, even when we, we chose sin, humanity chose sin, and there's brokenness, and there's that cycle, spiral downward away from God and towards putting ourselves on the throne, God still wants to be in relationship with us. It's incredible that we get to see from the very beginning that God wants to know who we are. So I really want to look at uh, primarily three ways, that three relational rhythms that Jesus had in his life. So let me give you a sneak peek of what that's going to be, and then I will unfold each one as we go. So uh, Jesus was God embodied in human form. He was fully human and fully God. There's a mystery about how you can be both, but we believe that that's what he was and is. And when he was on earth, he had these rhythms. He had an upward relationship with God the Father. So to love and worship God vertically. Uh, he had an inward 
relationship to love and live with uh, fellow Christians uh, in community together. And then he had an outward love of the neighbor uh, to serve his city and to serve the world that is broken and hurting. And it's interesting, as I continue here, you will probably find that one of these is more natural for you than the others. And then you might also find that the one that might not be as natural to you is a growth area. So I can tell you, for me, the outward expression of the church, like that really gets my heart going. And my story has led to that. Uh, maybe for some of you, spending time singing or, or studying the word is, is so natural to your faith walk. Or if just being in Christian community is so natural to your walk, these are the rhythms that Jesus lived. And I think when we think of them in these general categories, it can really start to help us to gauge where are we at spiritually and where might we need God to speak into one of these areas. So, uh, along the way, as I show you kind of where Jesus did this, uh, I'll ask you a few questions that hopefully can help you identify what relational practice that Jesus practiced that might be missing um, in your life and maybe how you can step into growing in that area, upward, inward, or outward. So like I said, very practical today. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 6 to start, and I want to show you um, this chunk of Scripture where we see Jesus living into that upward, inward, and outward, right, sequentially in that story, and then we'll, we'll jump into another story after that. But uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12 says this, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So it's really interesting when you start to, like, think about who Jesus was. Like, he was, he claimed to be God. He was also a human being. How is that even possible? Well, he proved it with his resurrection and his miracles, but... It's fascinating when you think about if he had this intimacy with God and yet he still prioritized time in his life to go be with God the Father, to pray with God the Father. I often wonder, like, did he even need to do that? Or did he do it for us to see the importance of it? Jesus spent time alone with God. And on this Example: He spent time at night on a mountainside. Not a, not a bad place to spend time with God. And he spent the night praying. I've been to the hills where Jesus would have sat. And I think he went alone. It, it's crazy when you actually sit there. You're like, this is, this is where I would like to spend time alone with God. It's an important part of our life and our spiritual life that God made us to actually spend time with him. And Jesus took time to be alone. He prioritized private time with God. And we can learn from what Jesus did to make sure that we do that ourselves. When we don't spend time alone with God, that's where things begin to go really wrong. It's really wonderful, as I keep saying, that God wants you to spend time with him. He actually wants you to, to know him more. The God of the universe actually cares to have you spend time with him. How incredible is that? I love the way that Psalm 91, uh, verse 1 and 2 describes it. Whoever dwells in the shelter 
of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God is like a safe house that you can take anything to. You can bring your hurts, you can bring your joys, you can bring your everything to the God of the universe who who wants to know you as his child. Jesus modeled that personal relationship with God as we have seen and there's many other examples that a personal relationship with God is important. So I got a question as I go here. Do you do you spend alone time with God? And I'm not asking you this to make you feel terrible. I'm asking this because if you're not, if you did, it would be so good for your soul, for the flourish. We were made for relationship with God. So do you spend time alone with God? Do you need God to do some sort of healing in your life? It's incredible when you have a practice of spending time with God, the things that seem so big. They become smaller. They become a lot smaller when we realize that the God of the universe, especially when you take into account the whole story that he's writing and going to write with making all things new eventually, he wants to heal you. So I do want to invite you that if, if throughout the rest of this talk you're feeling like, I need to spend more time with God, do it as an invitation. Not as, not as a, a guilty thing that you have to go because you're forced to, but as an invitation because the burdens that you carry, God wants to take off. And in some ways, yes, the behaviors that we have that aren't good, God wants us to, to change so that we can flourish more. But we can come to God with whatever we have, whenever we have it. This relationship that Jesus had with God the Father is available to us today. And oftentimes we think about that relationship here in our gathering, and I think it's, it's so wonderful that we're all here, that you chose to come to the church today, that we chose to have church together. Uh, but I wonder, do you engage in that relationship every day? Because God is everywhere. He's whispering your name, calling you into relationship. Are you listening to what God is saying to you and asking what might God want you to hear? It's an invitation by the good Father to come and be known. So watch what Jesus does next. So so that's upward. Um, uh, Verse 13, when morning came, he called his disciples to him. So he's establishing this in relationship that Jesus called his disciples to him and chose the 12 whom he designated as apostles Simon who is named Peter his brother Andrew James John Philip Bartholomew Thomas or Matthew Thomas James son of Alphaeus Simon who is called the zealot Judas son of James and Judas Iscariot who became the traitor Jesus did not live his life, which is also fascinating. He did not live his life on earth in isolation. He, he chose to live in community and modeled the health of needing that sort of community 
for us here on earth. And he gave us a thing called the church. He gave us this relational vehicle called the church, the body of Christ globally, that we get to experience, yes, here on Sunday mornings, but in so many other ways, that we were made for relationships. Although Jesus already had a perfect relationship with God, he lived in community with other people of faith. So inward doesn't mean clicky. That's not what I mean by that. It's not to the exclusion of others, because we're going to get to the other piece here. But what it does mean is that we need relationships that are helping build us up and heading the same spiritual direction. That we need to have other Christians around us that we consider spiritual family. Because Jesus came to create a spiritual family, not just individuals who spend time with God in private. What is your faith? My faith is important to me. What is it then? It's more than just something in your head and your heart. It has to be embodied with the people. And in such a beautiful way, too. We were created to share relationships together that strengthen, encourage us, that hold us up in time of need. The Apostle Paul describes the potential of the Christian community this way. One of my favorite passages. I say that every week. It is, though. Uh, In Ephesians 3, he says, And I pray that you, he's talking to this group of people, this church, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I love that, that like hinge in there, together with all the Lord's people. That together we can actually know the fullness and richness of God's love more. So it is important to spend time with God the Father ourselves. There's nothing that can replace that. But there's also nothing that can replace the community that enriches our understanding and, and realization of how much God loves you. Does that feel good to say today? Because sometimes when, to hear, sometimes when, when I look at myself in the mirror, the first thing I don't think of is God loves me. But we need each other as a reminder to say, and let me tell you now, God loves you. We need each other. We were created for community. Together, as Christians, we gain a fuller understanding and experience of God. And don't get me started on the image and likeness of God piece that I always talk about. That there's something unique about you that can point me towards God. We need inward relationships to help us grow towards God and flourish. And these relationships are the ones with people that are on the same spiritual journey that we are. Belonging with the body of Christ. So I want to ask you here too in this inward category as we talk about in relationships with, with other uh, Christians, do you have a spiritual family? What are their names? Do you have people in your corner who want to see you flourish? If the answer is yes, praise God. That makes me glad. If the answer is no, the invitation is here. This is a group of people. If you 
are starting to come to the Sunday service and starting to get connected to stuff and you, you don't feel like you know anybody yet, it's our goal to really help you find your people, that you would have spiritual family. And I can tell you, family is more than blood. As Christians, that's what we believe, that family is more than blood. There's something, yes, unique about our biological family. But man, when we look at the big picture, as Christians, family are the people that believe in Jesus. Family is the body of Christ that we get to share eternal space with, with God, the Father. So, do you have a text chat going? I have a couple of these where people are just building relationship with each other. That might re- represent one of these. Are you a part of a missional community or a men's group or the Breaking Bread group thing that we were coming to an end with, the temporary spaces, the sharing meal? Those are spaces where we can start to have deeper relationships with each other. We really need it. It's, it's an important part of the equation that God created, that we wouldn't just be me and God only, that we were created to live in community together. And to be honest with you, that's probably where most churches spend their, their energy, I think, is upward and inward, and those are good things, right? The necessary parts of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a church together. Um... But after Jesus spent time alone with, with God on that mountainside and after he called his disciples together to be his like inner circle, this happens next. Jesus steps outward into mission. Verse 17 in the same story, it says, He, so Jesus, he went down with them and stood on a level place. That's such a beautiful metaphor there. Jesus stood on a level place with Groups of people that are named next that in their social hierarchy would be considered lower. But Jesus stood with them on a level place. A a large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. Those are people that are non-Jewish people, Gentile people, who had come, come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled with impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Jesus embodied this outward love towards the world. I just think it's so cool that you kind of see that at work in this one story. You do see it all over the the New Testament, but definitely like Jesus spent time with God. He uh, huddled up his people, and then they went to be a blessing to the world, which is the mission of the church which we'll hear in our next series, God started back over with one person named Abraham, that his promise to the world was that through these people, he would bring shalom, he would bring peace, he would bring the heart of God to this planet. Jesus embodied good news to that crowd that day, and he calls us to do the same. So as we think about outward relationships, are you taking time to serve people? Maybe a good way to, to see if, if, it's, if something's missing in the area of serving and outward living is, are you fulfill, unfulfilled 
or spending too much time thinking of only yourself, and I'm not pointing a finger at you telling you that's happening with you, but if, if you're experiencing that, if you're feeling like there's a sense of purpose that's missing in your life, it might be because you're not serving people yet. And there's a million different ways, certainly within Wyoming Harbor, that you could do that, but a million ways out in our world that you can. And it is more than just checking a box to, to volunteer for a team, even though that's important. It's about our heart posture. So that's where I want to shift to a story that Jesus told that I think gives us a picture for sure of what outward living looks like, but I think kind of encompasses the relational heart of God in the upward, the inward and the outward form. So it's a parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 10. You've probably heard this story, but if you haven't, I think it will be really enlightening to you, and hopefully if you have, it will um, be a good reminder to us today. Uh, Luke chapter 10 says this, On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's asking the big question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And it's so interesting what Jesus says and does here next. What is written in the law? Uh, Jesus replied, how do you read it? He, the man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, this man did. So he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? In reply to this, Jesus said this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. There's a 17-mile path from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a very narrow path, 18 to 36 inches, along uh, rocky cliffs. That's this path. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers because it's such a narrow path. It's such an easy way to get pounced, right? They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So there that man was. And then Jesus continues, A priest happened to be going down the same road in this private space with nobody else looking. This is a parable, right? And when he saw the man beaten on the street, he passed by on the other side and In order to pass by on a path that way, you really kind of have to step over the body. Verse 32. So too, a Levite, a different type of religious leader, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So two different people that, in their day, you would expect those to be the heroes of the story. They'd be the good person. They would be the one that would see the need and take care of it. But then a Samaritan, verse 33, and that's a key word there. That's the group of uh, people that the Jews did not associate with. There's a racial tension between these groups. But then a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Pity meaning like compassion. Not pity as in like poor you, but no, pity as in like, well, actionable compassion. Watch what he does next. He went to him, 
and bandaged his wounds, which means he must have had band-aids on him. He must have had some resource that was ready to be given to somebody else. Pouring on oil and wine onto the wound. That was a way that they would heal their wounds. So he has these items ready to be given to somebody. Then he put the man on his own donkey, which means he must have ridden along, walked alongside of this man who he, he shouldn't be associating with because of the racial tension that they have. This is why Jesus is such a brilliant teacher. He put him on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. A denarii is one day's worth of wages. And gave them to the innkeeper and said, Look after him, and I will return. I will reimburse you for any expense you may have had. I was reflecting on this passage with uh, Bryson, the pastor of um, Strong Tower, the East African group that meets downstairs. I thought it'd be cool to get his take on this. And we just reflected on, on so many different things here. But one of the things that he said is this, the, deni- the man might have left that scene in order to go work to get more money so that that person could be healed. You catch that? So he, the man gave two denarii so that... that the um, injured person could have stay in this inn, and he left to go do what? Probably to go get more money, which means he might have had to go all the way home <laughs> in order to come back. That is mind-blowing compassion. That's mind-blowing care. Verse 37. Jesus then asked the question. The story is closing. He said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? That's a hard question for them to answer because they know the hero in this story is not the person that is the hero in their social structure. Jesus chose a different character. The experts of the law said, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. On a narrow path, which I think is such a great test case for us to look at, a narrow road, Jesus is asking, what are you going to do in private? If you fall off the path, you will hurt yourself. It's narrow and winding, and you couldn't just escape. It was an excellent spot for thieves to hide. This road is a road towards God. It's a road that requires an upward relationship with God as we walk. An inward relationship with other Christians, and an outward relationship to the world as we walk along it. It's pretty simple when you think about what modes of relationships that we can have. Up, in, out. But it's also really narrow, isn't it? Because we have the choice. We have the choice to do and think and say with our time and with our life what we want to. And my invitation to you today, God's invitation to you today, is to come. We were made for relationships with God upward. We were made for relationships with each other. And this story so beautifully illustrates that we were also made as bearers of God's image, as 
people bearing Jesus' name, Christians that we would care for and love the world. Our part is simply to take a next step, and that's where I want to close. What next step is God asking you to take in these categories? Upward, inward, or outward? If it's upward, perhaps you, for the first time, are recognizing that God is real, that Jesus is who he says he is, and maybe baptism is your step. Maybe you feel the nudge to get baptized on Easter Sunday. How cool would that be? Are you ready to say yes to Jesus for the first time? Are you ready to acknowledge that there is a God and that there is a Jesus that came to reveal God to us? Or maybe you need to take a study Bible. we got one sitting up front here. If you don't have a Bible, take it home with you and start to crack it open and see what God has to say to you. Maybe it's just simply saying, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me today. I dare you to pray that prayer for the next week and see what happens. Or if it's uh, inward relationships that you think God is calling you to take a next step in, come back next Sunday. This is a great space to bump into other Christians. You can join a group. There's many different ways that we can do that uh, through missional communities, breaking bread groups, groups that serve. You'll also build relationships there. Or name a person that you need to go have coffee with that you want to learn from or that you just want to build a friendship with. We started this church with one of the phrases a couple years ago with moving at the speed of relationships. We're here for each other. Amen. Or outward, maybe uh, begin to serve somewhere. If that's the next step that God is taking you to invest in people. And yeah, I think choosing to serve in a regular space is something that we should do too. But maybe for you in this way, it's to notice people along the path. We read a story about a neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Maybe today... God is calling you to live more outwardly to see your neighbor. To build a relationship with them. To invite them to an Easter party. To invite them over for dinner. So much of the fruit of the church, what it looks like to live upward, inward, outward, is probably just eating food with people. So... The challenge and the invitation today for all of us is to really think, where is God asking me to take a next step and to step into that invitation with joy? And we're here to help you find out what that next step might be. Our mission statement is helping people find their way back to God. And we're all doing that together. So my prayer for you today is that you would step forward into whatever category it is in your relationship with God the relationship with people, relationship and purpose to have mission in the world would all grow. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for, again, that we get to actually read the stories of the life of Jesus, that we can see where he stepped, we can hear what he said, we can learn of your heart by reading these stories. 
And I, I know it's your heart, as we read earlier, that our worship wouldn't just be in song, even though that's beautiful, but that we would worship in spirit and in truth. That we would worship uh, in our private life and our public life boldly. That we would step into a broken world. We would embody your heart on earth to heal the brokenness. That we would allow you to name what's broken within us and we'd receive your grace. You are a healer. You've called us together as your church to live into these things and I pray that we will do that even more this week. Amen.